this podcast is presented to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church in Lubbock, Texas. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 1. Now these commission guys weren't meant to make you feel guilty, but they are there to, to inform us that Jesus has equipped us. In Matthew 28, he commissioned us to go with authority. Well, he's given us great authority. In Mark 16, he commissioned us that we go with signs and wonders. In um, Luke 24, he commissioned us to go with the Word. Last week in John 20, we were commissioned to go with grace. I'm going to tell you, grace is powerful when we get a hold of it. And so those are the ones that Jesus himself has commissioned us with. Now, I'm going to give you one of the last ones today. Begin with me in Acts chapter 1, verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began to both to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after he, Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. Now what's fixing to happen, guys, right here is Jesus is getting ready to transfer all the power and responsibility to his disciples that he had, and he's going to baptize them with the same spirit that flowed in his life. The Holy Spirit, okay? Now, in in Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus and Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And Jesus went about doing good and healing all those that were oppressed of the devil. And so right here, he's given us a little bit of uh, insight that if Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, what about me and you? Okay? Keep reading. Verse 3, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So from the time that Jesus rose from the grave until he ascended into heaven was 40 days. This is in that time period right here, what it's talking about. Actually, it's in the last couple days or the last day, really, when all this is going on. Verse 4. And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded. He commissioned them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. Now, right there is a commission, a command. Jesus commanded his disciples. He said, Listen, fellas. Don't you dare depart from Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. And not only was it the promise of the Father, the last part of verse 4 he said, which you have heard from me. So you know what Jesus does here? Jesus says, this is from my Father, and I endorse it. This was Jesus' words. Now guys, we got to get this. This was Jesus' command to his disciples here. To me and you. And he talks about this promise, and then in verse 5 he tells us what the promise is. Look. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, what he's talking about here, guys, he's not downplaying the significance of water baptism. I believe what he's showing him there, that there is a difference between being water baptized and being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus tells us this, guys, you got to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What do we do with what he said? Do we go ahead and obey it? 
Or do we say, ah, I'm not going to do it? Verse 6. Therefore, when they'd come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you know the times or the season which the Father has put in his own authority. Now, in his reply, guys, here, he corrects their misconception. To a certain degree, they think it's going to end right here, but he adjusts the perspective concerning to the kingdom of God. And he said, listen, fellas, that's not up to you. That's not up to me. Only the Father knows all this when it's all going to end, okay? But he gets back to the main focus, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. But you shall receive. Now note the words there. He didn't say you're going to earn it. He said you're going to receive it. So that means I'm going to have to, I'm going to, have to take it. I'm going to have to get out there and get it, okay? It's going to happen when I respond to it. And he said you shall receive power. That word power from the root word in the Hebrews is dunamis where we get dynamite. One of the best translations that I like personally, it says that he's going to give you the Holy Spirit and you shall receive miraculous ability. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Who's it going to be from this power? From the Holy Spirit. For what? So that you will be witnesses. We're called to be witnesses. And witnesses to who? And he said, witnesses to me. So right there, he begins to tell us the significance of the Holy Spirit that we are called to be witnesses, but he tells us we're not going to get it done without the Holy Spirit. None of us. Now, how that looks like in the natural, I've got a screwdriver here and i got a drill. In the natural, a lot of times this is how we look like. That we go through life, and it's a grind, and it's hard. And, and a few years ago, I was putting up a fence in my backyard. And every one of the pickets would take three inch and a quarter screws. Now, if I were to do them with this hand deal, this hand screwdriver, I'd still be there today. I'd still be out. You drive by every week and say, look at that, that idiot. He's still out there. But something happens, guys, and this is how we look without the Holy Spirit. But when we get the Holy Spirit, we got the power. We got the power. And so the Holy Spirit wants to come and assist us. And one of the ways he assists us is to be witnesses. Now, none of us in here are called to win people. We're just called to witness. Now, this, this passage right here, this ends with Jesus descending or ascending into heaven. So what this is telling me, this was Jesus' last words to his disciples on the earth. Don't you think if this was his last words to, to the disciples face to face, man, he wanted to be significant. He really wanted it to count. And then guess what? He just, he's out of here. Now I want to talk a little bit to us about the part of being witnesses. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And remember I said this, guys, and this will be a, little, uh, a theme here just for a little bit. We're not called to win people. We're called to witness. And you'll see this in this passage right here. Now, when you look at people's lives in the Bible, one of the interesting disciples to me was Peter. 
Peter was notorious for causing trouble. Peter was notorious for running at the mouth. Peter was just a mess. You know what it does with me with Peter? It gives me hope. It gives every one of us a hope. But when you look at Peter's life, up till this right here, when Jesus talked to him about receiving the Holy Spirit, Peter was a mess. But once I jump into Acts 2 and I find out that Peter had been filled with the Holy Spirit, stuff began to change with Peter. Peter is the very one in Acts 2 that he began to preach and he quoted the prophet Joel in Joel 2 word for word. And when he began to quote him, he quoted him with a boldness. I think he quoted him so much that the other disciples were like, man, Peter's drinking those triple shots of Starbucks the way he's acting. Look at Peter, what happened to him? And when I study Peter in Acts 3, he's the one who laid hands on the sick, the blind man, and the guy received his sight, he said, in the name of Jesus. Acts 4, Acts 5, Peter preached with a boldness, so much that they imprisoned him. Acts 10, he went to the Italian man named Cornelius, and he spoke the word of God that this family got born again, and they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I go back and look at Peter's life. The only thing that I can see different in his life was the Holy Spirit. And I believe the same command is given to each one of us in here. And you say, well, I don't believe that. Well, what are we going to do with what Jesus said? What about his words? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Who then is Paul, and who is Paulus? But ministers. One translation says, carrying out servant assignment. Another says, ministering servants. Through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one, as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. So he's telling me right here that Paul and Apollos both were ministers. They spoke things to people because he said they believed them. Verse 6, I, Paul, planted, and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Now what he's talking about here, guys, is anytime we go out and minister... And we tell people about Jesus or we tell people about the Word of God. You know what you've done? You've taken the seed, the incorruptible seed of the Word of God, and you've planted it in people's heart. And if they don't get born again right then, that's okay. There's a seed that's planted in there. And before long, somebody else comes across their path and they water them. You know how they water them? They speak the Word to them. They speak the things of God. I remember before I got born again, I had people that would begin to tell me about Jesus. Did I get born again the first time? No, I didn't. But people kept watering me and kept watering me. But I want you to see right there, who's the one who gave the increase? God was. So it tells me right there, our job is just to witness. Tell them the truth, but God is the one that's going to change them. Verse 7. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one or equal. In other words, one's not better than the other. You know what that could look like? I may be able to go in life, and I may be able to, to plant the word into Adam. But before long, I was going to say Ben, but you're not Ben. Will speaks the word to Adam, and Adam ultimately gets born again. You know what happens? They both watered and, and one planted. So ultimately they're the same. That's what it's talking about. Keep looking here. And each one will receive his own reward 
according to his labor. You know what this is talking about? In heaven, there's going to be a great award ceremony. And every one of us guys are going to be given an award based on our labor. Based on how well we planted and how, how well we watered. And let me tell you a little bit about the award ceremony in heaven. It will put the Grammys and the Oscars to shame. It will put the Heisman Trophy to shame. The Cy Young winner. The, the music awards. They'll put all that to shame because the awards that are given here on earth, they're just temporary. When awards are given in heaven, they're eternal. And you know what's going to happen? Just like in the natural, if if, man, let me just use uh, Johnny Football, the guy who won the Heisman Trophy. When was, if Johnny Football was in the airport, you know what people would do? There's Johnny! Or your favorite actor, and you'd run up to him and get their autograph. I'm going to tell you, you know what's going to happen in heaven? When you see people that have kingdom rewards, you're going to know. I believe they're going to be decorated, and you're going to say, that, that was a person who moved the kingdom of God forward right here on earth. And I like the wording here that he says you will be rewarded according to his own labor. Do you know to minister and witness to people on earth? It's a labor. It's a work. But oh, there's a great reward. Now look how he ends here. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace which was given to me as a wise master builder... I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Do you know what he's telling me here? The foundation of witness is Jesus. And we tell Jesus, we tell people what Jesus has done for us. And, and that's where Jesus, he'll, he'll take our testimonies and he'll use them. And you can begin to identify with people that, that may be going through some of this junk you have. It's easy for me, guys, to, to labor for people that have addiction, especially to alcohol. I don't have a problem doing that. I can sit there and tell an alcohol, I've been there. I mean, Jesus set me free. This is what he's done. And so it's, it's easy for me to get over that. God will take your messes and he'll use them to witness and to shine on people so they get saved. And you begin to see this? And so, right here, when I look at all this, I begin to look and I think, but within the church, something's missing. And that something isn't a something, that something is a someone. And the someone I'm talking about is the Holy Spirit. That we have downplayed the Holy Spirit so much and I realize a lot of times within the church, we bring up the Holy Spirit. You know what people do? They'll shut down. Don't shut down on me. Don't think, oh, no, pastor's going Pentecostal on us today. Pastor's going Holy Roller on us today. No, pastor's going to teach us some truth today about the, the, the necessity of the Holy Spirit, guys. I can't get away from what Jesus said. No matter what it looks like. Now go back just a couple pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I believe a pro part of the problem within the church is two things. Number one, a lack of teaching on the Holy Spirit. 
just right here. Just the simplicity of this right here. Without the Holy Spirit, guys, I'm not going to have power. The second thing is, the church hasn't emphasized the Holy Spirit. It's awfully funny, Father God and Jesus do, but the church, we haven't done that. Why haven't we done that? Well, I believe part of the problem is, is God wants us to live right in the middle of the road, where we live balanced. But it's bad news when we get out of balance. One way we got out of balance, and some of this, some of you will remember this, is when we started doing weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit. Stupid things, flaky things, goofy things. Can I tell you something about the Holy Spirit today? The Holy Spirit doesn't do weird things, and the Holy Spirit doesn't do goofy things. Men do. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you see stupid stuff that you don't find in the Bible, that's not the Holy Spirit, okay? You sound like you're fired up about this. I am. You know why I am? Because I believe the Holy Spirit has gotten a bad rap because of people. Okay? And I want you to understand this today. we got to get a hold of what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit does nothing for show or for sensation. The Holy Spirit does stuff decently and in order. That's all 1 Corinthians 14. And so you can understand this, guys. Man, I grew up on the things of the Spirit back in the 80s. I saw crazy things. How many of you have seen crazy things? Look at the hands go up. All in the name of the Holy Spirit. And I thought, if that's the Holy Spirit that the Bible talks about, that'll lock him up. That'll throw him in the ha-ha hotel because he's crazy. But when I read my Bible, that's not the Holy Spirit that I see. The Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. Oh, man, I better keep going or I'm really going to get fired up. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. He said, listen, boys, I didn't come with eloquence of words. So how did he come then? Verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So you know what he's saying? I want to know Jesus and I want to know what took place on the cross. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom or human philosophy. Now, you know what Paul's telling us right there? Just great preaching's not going to get it done, fellas. There's more to it than that, and so you want to see the key? Verse 4. But in demonstration of the Spirit... And look what goes hand in hand with the Spirit. And of power. And of power. Once again, the, the, the commission to me and you in Acts 1-8 was what? That of power. Now, when I look at this right here, do you see how the church has drifted from the Holy Spirit? Verse 5. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So once again, guys, i got, I got to get off this stuff, the wisdom of men. And so here's, here's the other side of this. For years back, we got over in this ditch because we were crazy. Now we've swung over into this ditch where we don't want the Holy Spirit to do anything. So what's happened, we as human beings, we've manufactured the church. 
Well, what does manufacturing the church look like? Well, you get someone that, that is charismatic or can speak a little bit, and then you get a humanly talented worship team, and then you uh, do some creative things that are hip, that resemble the world, and guess what? We got church. And guess what? People show up. But let me ask you something. Just because people show up, does that mean it's biblically sound? No. You know what I found out? Just because you do this stuff, you've created a time that's very appealing to people. But there is no conviction and there is no power. And so this is what we've called church. Everyone in, in, in churches that have, have limited the Holy Spirit. Second Second Timothy 3 says this, taking on the form of Christian, but the power's denied. You know what taking on the form of Christian is? This stuff. We can talk eloquently, and we can do all these things, guys, but when we limit the Holy Spirit, we've limited God. And this is exactly what this is talking about. Turn back with me just a couple pages to, to 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Man, I'm telling you guys, I believe, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I thank God I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I said this in the first service. The three smartest things that I ever did was, number one, in this order, I gave my heart to Jesus. Smart. Number two, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Smart. And number three, I married Shelly. Smart. In those three orders right there. You know what that does? If you have those three ingredients right it'll make you look like a genius sometimes. Say, man, that guy, he is... Thank God for the Holy Spirit. I'm not downplaying. I love the things of the Holy Spirit, guys. I just got over where I saw a lot of stuff years ago that, man, it, it wasn't good. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20. Listen to this. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit. Now, guess what? I don't have to force the Holy Spirit to do anything. And that's what's happened at times. We've tried to be Holy Spirit Junior and say, you know what? i got to make this happen. i got to make that. That's not my job. That's not yours. When the Holy Spirit moves, guys, it'll be decently in order, and you'll look and say, that's from heaven. When there's a word given for the whole body that speaks to everybody's heart, you'll say, that's from heaven. But when someone gets in here and does something weird, you can guarantee that's not from heaven. This may bear witness with some of you. Back, way back, 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 and it'll relate my age if I'm not careful. I remember going to church, and if I invited someone that worked with me to go to church, I would sit and I would wring my fingers and just like this, and I'd think, oh no, oh no, don't let Sister Cinderella get up and prance around the church. Oh no. Now, it was always notorious after the third song, and before long, I would melt, and I'd think, oh, Jesus. And after the fourth song, fourth song, 
Brother Longtongue, he would always have some type of crazy manifestation. And so before long, guess what? I didn't want to go to church. And the last thing that people would go with you, they would say, you all are a bunch of granola Christians, a bunch of nuts and flakes. If that's how Jesus, I don't want nothing to do with you. Some of you can look, some of you identify with that. You remember those days. I hate that stuff, guys. I hate it. But when I see the Holy Spirit speak and move and it is precise, accurate, hits them right in the I say, now that's the Holy Spirit. When I see our praise and worship team sing and play under the unction of the Holy Ghost and people begin to weep, that's the Holy Ghost. That's the mark of Him. Some of you say, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. That dates me again. How many of you cut your teeth on Holy Ghost? That's it. Look, look, it's the older generation. It's the same, okay? The Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. I try to say Holy Spirit more and more. All right, go with me to the book of John, chapter 16. John 16. See, guys, I've had people say, you know what? We're doing pretty good at church without the Holy Spirit. And you know what my response is? In whose eyes? In whose opinion? See, guys, I don't want to play church. I don't want to do those things. And, and when we think about the things of the kingdom of God, guys, we're not playing around with somebody's checkbook. And we're not playing around with somebody's job. We're playing around with people's eternity. And I'm going to tell you guys, I don't want, I don't want fake. I don't want imitation. I want the real deal. Okay? That's where I'm going with this. Now, in saying this, guys, right here, i got to look at these passages. In your own reading, here's your homework assignment. Read John 14, John 15, and John 16, and you'll get a great insight about the Holy Spirit. Almost every one of the words in all those chapters are red-letter words. Those are Jesus' words. So here's the question i got to ask you. If Jesus said it, what are you going to do with it? John chapter 16, verse 5. The work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, but now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where you are going. But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now, he's talking to his disciples, and he said, Listen, boys, I'm fixing to get out of here. I'm going to heaven. Why had sorrow filled their heart? They had run and hung out with Jesus for three years. He had been everything to them, and they're thinking, How can Jesus just up and leave us? Keep reading. Verse 7. Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, it wasn't as if Jesus had lied to him before, but when he said, I tell you the truth, I believe he's saying, boys, this is this significant, you got to get it. I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage. It is to your good. It is to your benefit. Actually, one translation says, it is advantageous that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Now, the loss of a bodily presence of Jesus, guys, will be more than compensated by the Holy Spirit. How does that look? Well, you think about Jesus in the natural. Jesus could only be one place at one time. Okay? 
Jesus couldn't be in Lubbock and New York. But he said, I'm going to send one called the Helper, and he's going to come and live on inside of every one of you. And he'll be with you all the time. And when he mentions the Helper right here, that word Helper of the Holy Spirit is sevenfold. That word Helper means he's my advocate. He's my counselor. He's my comforter. He's my helper. He's my intercessor. He's my strengthener and my standby. And so everything you're going to need in life is going to be found in the Holy Spirit. Woo, look what he says. Go, keep reading with me. And when he, the Holy Spirit, not it, but he, the third person of the Godhead, has come, he, the Holy Spirit, will convict the world of sin and of righteousness of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, I know I read through that real fast. It said one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit was to convict the world of sin. It's not my job and it's not your job to convict people. When I start trying to convict people of sin, if I was to go after Raul about sin, it wouldn't be conviction, it'd be condemnation. But the Holy Spirit comes in and convicts us. Now that's different. Because the, the conviction, He wants to help me. How many of you have ever been convicted of the Holy Spirit? Man, I'm convicted of Him all the time. Can I give you an illustration of my life? If I was to go into to Walmart after church here, and God forbid that I have to do that, but if I had to, and I'm over there waiting in line, and there's a big old butterfinger right there, and I'm hungry, and I think, you know what? I'm just going to steal it. The Holy Spirit would convict my heart. It would be something right here. And you know how it would be? It wouldn't be something weird or flaky. He wouldn't scream at me, hey, stupid! It would be a still, small voice. How do you know that? Romans 8.16 says that the Spirit of God will bear witness with our spirit. Over and over before I get ready to do right things or wrong things, the Holy Spirit will help me when I become in tune with Him. Verse number 12. Jesus said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them right now. You know why? I've been too much. Tilted their little brain. However... When He, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you in all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. So you know what this is telling me right here, guys? The Spirit is going to lead believers into a greater apprehension of the truth. But not only that, He wants to help you in everyday life. He wants to help you with guidelines. He wants to lead us, guys. And it doesn't matter what venue life is. He's there to assist us. So what do I do with what Jesus said? The Holy Spirit was sent to assist us in two ways. Number one, to help me and you be witnesses. We've seen that. But number two, the Holy Spirit was sent to help me and you to live Christ-like. To be more Christ-like. Shouldn't there be a difference between people that are born again and people aren't? I believe there should be. 
And when I looked at this, I have to ask myself this question. Am I tired of living the same life that resembled my life before I got born again? If I am, then maybe I ought to start looking to the Holy Spirit to help me. You know, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Walk in the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of your flesh. How does that happen? I've got to walk in the Spirit. Doesn't matter who we are in this room today, there's a conflict. You know what that conflict is? My spirit, man, is pulling me this way, and my flesh is pulling me that way. How many of you sense a tug-of-war with you at times? I sense a tug-of-war. And guess what? He said, if I'll learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But without action and without fruit in my life, Theology is really meaningless. You know what that means? I can tell people over and over and over about Jesus. But the proof of the pudding's in the eating. You know what that means? What's the fruit of my life? And I believe the only way that the fruit in our life changes is when the Holy Spirit comes on the inside of us. And He begins to work in me. And He begins to convict me. And He begins to teach me and lead me and guide me into the truth. But you know what He's waiting for? He's not a bully. He's waiting for me and you to ask Him, to receive Him. Look look in Luke 11, and this is what we'll end with. Luke chapter 11. Man, this is good right here. This will help you. Thank God for the Word of God. I'm going to tell you right now. Thank God for the Word of God. Luke 11, verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Now, in the Greek, you know what it says? It says, continually ask. Continually seek. Continually knock. So you know what I liken that to? It's like a daily thing. That daily I say, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you today. Daily I live in the things of a day. Man, I'm I'm calling out to him throughout the day. Verse 10. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him knocks, it will be open. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? No, he won't. That would be like, Philip right here has got a young boy named Nicholas. Nicholas comes in and says, Dad, can I have a piece of bread? And he said, I'll shut up and go out back and eat a rock. It's not going to happen. No, that's not what it's going to Keep reading. And he says, or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a, no. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No. If you then, being evil or evil-minded or just because you're human, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You know what I found out about the Holy Spirit? He won't do anything without you giving permission. When you ask Him to lead Him, to lead you, He'll help you. He'll assist you. But I've got to be the one that has to do this now. When I read this right here, I can pray with the confidence. I can go with him and say, man, I need you today, Holy Spirit. And it can be that simple. Let me ask you this. How many of you have ever been around people that just walk in unbelievable kindness? 
where you look at them and you think, that's not humanly possible. Or gentleness. I've, I've been around men that are incredible gentle, just full of gentleness. There was a guy that I knew in the church in Clovis. I labeled him the apostle of love. He was just always full of love and gentle, and I would look and I'd think, what's wrong with me? Or kindness, gentleness, goodness, kindness. And so when we look at those and we say, that's not humanly possible, you're right, it isn't humanly possible. But it's Holy Spirit possible. And when you see people that walk in goodness and kindness, guess what? They didn't, uh, weren't born that way. They begin to yield to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to tell you guys, there's people in this church that way. I get around people at times and I think, golly, that's crazy how gentle and kind they are. But it's because they've asked the Holy Spirit to move in them. And when the Holy Spirit starts convicting them, they begin to yield to it. They begin to respond to the Holy Spirit. And this is exactly what we're talking about here. Listen, guys, I don't have to go through life stressed out. I don't have to go through life ugly and selfish. I mean, you know what? I don't like when I'm that way, and I know other people don't like to be around me. So let me ask you some questions here real quick. I challenge you. Look at the fruit of your life. Let the fruit of your life be the gauge. What am I talking about? Let me ask you this morning, number one, are you a witness for Jesus? Is there fruit in your life? How about this? Does the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, is it resembled in your life in any way? Can I tell you a little bit about the fruit of the Spirit? It's love and joy and peace and patience, or long-suffering, self-control, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and meekness, and we either say amen or oh me. The fruit of the Spirit. Listen, guys, the only way those happen within us is by the Holy Spirit. And if I'm an old sourpuss, I'm going to tell you right now, God can change you into a lover. The Holy Spirit will begin to make you, mold you, shape you, if you allow it. Now, on that list, are there some of those that identify your life? Yes, there are. Pastor can say, yes, there's two of them that really, really identify me. One called patience. God is still working. And you know what God does with me with patience? When, when I say, Holy Spirit, develop patience in me, He sends me to Walmart. I promise you. And the lines are long. And I'll sense the Lord saying, just be patient. And then the, the, the checkers are rookie. And I want to say, give me that. I can do that. But there's a patience that works. Only from the Holy Spirit when I allow Him. And the second one is one called self-control with me. That He's still working that. And I tell him, oh, Father God, through your spirit today, help me, help me develop self-control. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you speak before you think? I have the tendency to do that sometimes. 
And I saw the Holy Spirit help me in self-control with my mouth. If you got anger issues, that's a self-control issue. But see, a lot of times, guess what? We've tried to fix ourselves. You're not going to fix you. If you could have fixed you, you would have already done it. And I wish I could prescribe a vitamin that would take care of self-control. But there are none. But when he says, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. Man, the Holy Spirit will begin to work. So I want you to see the double benefit today. Number one, we've been commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be witnesses. And the greatest witness to me, guys, is your lifestyle. You know what attracts me to good marriages? is people that love each other. When I see a good marriage, I think, you don't fluke a good marriage. It doesn't just happen. It's two people that have learned to walk with the things of the Holy Spirit. And when I see people that are good husbands, when I see good daddies, I think, oh, Lord. But you know what? I don't get mad. It gives me hope to say, you know what, Holy Spirit? You can birth that in me. You can help me to, to, to walk in those things. That's why it's important, guys, that we get a hold of this. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For more information, visit faithchurchlubbock.com.